Woke up on a Saturday, I rolled the fattest J, listen to my favorite podcast, that shit is Maddie J. He do what his daddy say, listen to my favorite podcast, that shit is Maddie J. Yo, what's going on? What's up, everybody? Guys and gals from all over the world. I did see my last uh, last week my Australian percentage went up. So all you guys in Australia putting in work. I appreciate it, man. And woman, if it's a woman. Uh, because, you know, without worldwide listeners, this this wouldn't be possible. So... I just want to extend my gratitude to all of you. Um, how was your week, though? Everybody good? Everybody hanging in there? Today is probably the nicest day of the entire year so far. 79, sunny, light breeze, west-northwest directional wind. I mean, what, what more do you want, you know? Easterly wind? 78 degrees I don't know But I got a I got a fucking new little wine here Most of you might know it Or recognize it from the Grocery store shelf It's called Alamos Baby I think this is a Chilean Type deal I just poured it, sat down Now I gotta fucking walk over and check it out Cause uh, like I do Every week I bore you to fucking tears with my uh, alcoholic drinking updates so this is argentinian yeah baby i usually buy the alamos malbec which i'm sure you know like i said this is riveting content so try to keep up i usually buy the the malbec but today I, i went for the cabernet sauvignon and i'm also starting the podcast a little early today i got some plans and you get some fucking pizzas. Pizzas at a fucking great bar in a nearby city here. So, gonna start off a little early today. It's about 4.45 Eastern. So let's try this uh, Alamos out. See what, see what happens here. Not bad. Not bad at all. Of course, I forgot to, to give it the old smell test first and now that i've tasted it i can i cannot smell anything because that shit is fucking powerful on the alcohol but i will say i don't taste the oak i don't really taste the alcohol until after it's actually really good wine if you're in a if you're balling on a budget and you're in the supermarket or the liquor store, and you see Alamos there. I think it's only ten bucks. This shit is delicious. I would definitely try it. <coughs> it's very fruit forward, as one would say. But uh, it's not like overpowering. Not like the la- the the wine we tried last week that was absolutely gross. That I would never recommend to anyone ever. Even my worst enemy, I wouldn't recommend the fucking Ravenswood wine. Just a waste of absolute hard-earned $14 in cash so 
Don't do that. Do Alamos, though. Like I said, you can pretty much find this shit anywhere. I just picked it up real quick because it was cheap. And, you know, I was just like, the show must go on. So let me pick this up. And I'm quite pleased with my decision here. But anyway, uh, on another note, my boys, my boys in uh, blue or black, white, and red, and checkered flags. My boys at Maryland basketball. Yeah, dude. I mean, it was a short-lived victory celebration, I'll say, but. They achieved exactly what I wanted them to, which was winning in the round of 64 and just advancing to another round, just proving that we can at least go 500 in the tournament, bow out respectfully, and just, you know, go about our our academic school years. So, you know, I was really pleased with Maryland's performance. I watched it live on last Saturday. I thought they played really well against UConn. There was some, a little bit of worrisome moments during the second half. I'd say around the seven-minute mark all the way down to like the two, three-minute mark where uh, things looked a little shaky. I think they were up by double digits. Double digits. <laughs> um, at one point. And then UConn kind of shaved that to, I think, about four or five points. So I was starting to get a little worried that they might choke. But they held on, and uh, they actually won in impressive fashion. We got a bunch of clutch free throws at the end there because they were going, you know, foul them every time they get the ball. That's what UConn's strategy was, which sometimes is a great strategy if you're up against a team that chokes. Um, But we proved that we weren't chokers. So I, I really appreciated the win they uh they made the boys back home proud. I know I don't know about you, but as soon as they won, I put on my airbuds and played Maryland, my Maryland on repeat for about an hour. It's just how much into Maryland I am. And uh it was worth it because I got to celebrate for for 2 days and then uh Monday night, you know, they went against a 2 seed, Alabama. And I didn't know that Alabama was good at basketball now. Apparently they're good at football and now basketball. And pretty soon Alabama is just going to offer its own grocery delivery service because they're that fucking good and they're just going to take over the world. So it was fun while it lasted having competition, not from the same five schools in every sport, but I feel like that time's coming to an end. So... uh I mean, they're going to advance. They probably should have. We were a 10 seed. They were a 2. If we beat them, it would have been a huge upset. So nothing unexpected there. But I was proud of my boys, man. I really do mean this. They can come home with their heads held high, even though they came home already on Monday. Um, But they can go back to their classes virtually. They can open their laptop screens with their heads held high. So... You know, I was proud of their performance. Good for them. Good for them. I was also able to watch a teacher. A a a teacher. Dude, what a fucking good uh little show there. I liked it. The acting was great. I'm a huge fan of 
Kate Mara, any anything that she's in, probably gonna watch. Just the beauty and the the mystique. Just she's getting a little older though. I gotta say, um, you know, past shows like House of Cards. I don't really remember anything else she was in, but House of Cards, she looked great there, man. But she's uh she's starting to show a little bit of the old age there. She still looks good. Don't get me wrong. It is enough to get you a vested interest in the show and what's going on. So basically, just what Park said, the premise is, kid, uh, kid, he, the kid plays it up a little. I'll give him that. He plays up the sensitive angle a little. Things aren't really going well at home for her. He bends an ear and listens, you know, like any guy in their teens who's trying to get laid would do. And, uh, it, it's very successful for him in that regard. But, you know, like we discussed in previous podcasts, like the show is more geared toward the aftermath of the act, the fallout, if you will, and, you know, just the the effect it has on the different parties involved. Because, you know, like any high school in the United States or anywhere probably in the world, if uh maybe not in the middle east because you probably get executed but if you slept with your teacher and like you know it was like a fucking conquest then yeah you're gonna be the fucking man or woman in the school actually i don't know if women do that they'd probably want to keep it under wraps but like as a guy if you told your group of friends that you slept with the teacher I mean, dude, you wouldn't have to buy a drink for, like, 10 years. So, that's just how it goes here. Um, But, in all seriousness, kind of goes into the ramifications and the repercussions of uh, that kind of thing. Getting some dirty, damp, and deep with your teacher. So, to quote uh, Breaking Bad there. But, yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed the series. Like I said, it was well-acted. The dude who's the main character, I hadn't seen him before, but uh, it's funny because right after I watched uh, Teacher, I uh, I was looking for some other movies, and uh, this Silk Road movie pops up. Now, I've listened to podcasts before about the Silk Road. Basically what it is, this guy, we'll call him Ross Albrecht, just for the story's sake. This guy, Ross Albrecht, starts a platform on the dark web called the Silk Road. What the Silk Road is, might you ask, is a illegal, immoral, and unjust forum. No, I'm just kidding. It's just basically a place where you can buy drugs online on the dark web. So he starts that up. Business is booming, you know. Times are good. Oh, dude, and another caveat to that. Like, they do all their business. It's not in, like, online transactions like you would think, like, PayPal or Venmo or whatever. It's fucking Bitcoin. But this is when Bitcoin was, like, $6 for one Bitcoin. I think it's in the realm of, like, $50,000 for one Bitcoin now. So if this guy had gone undetected, he would easily be a billionaire now just from the value of the Bitcoin being traded on the site. So... 
yeah, you trade Bitcoin for drugs, and eventually, you know, the DEA gets a whiff, and uh, X leads to Y, which leads to Z. But um, the stories, the story is very interesting. I don't think the movie depicted it very well. They left out a lot of crucial details, just about like how people were were caught. Um, and you know, the only reason I checked out the fucking movie was because a the same dude from uh, Teacher was in the Silk Road, and also the director of the Silk Road, which happens to be the director of that Night Stalker series on Netflix, same guy, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, so, Joe Rogan's podcast, check it out, I checked it out, and uh, I, I was hooked, I was in, he got me, but it just didn't live up to, like, the actual story that I know actually happened, because I've heard another podcast few years back about this whole thing so yeah but poor ross albrecht man got caught up in a web of of terror and intrigue the likes of which hasn't hasn't really been seen yet on the dark web again so you know he was one of those like uh libertarian types so he you know everything is available to everyone and he wanted everybody to have access to it which in a way can be noble in a way uh is kind of stupid sometimes so but you know gotta gotta appreciate a dude who sticks by his principles and then uh speaking of principles the the actor bones his well not his principal but his teacher in the other series so everything's connected man everything is fucking connected telling you so yeah check those uh actually i wouldn't recommend the silk road honestly don't check that out um, but I would I would give the the stamp of approval on uh, teacher. Um, because I thought it was very thought provoking. So yeah, check that one out. And then another one I was getting into. Let me tell you about this: the Dawn Wall, which KP recommended numerous times. And I finally sit down to watch the Dawn Wall. You know, I watched the preview, so I'm like, all right, cool, getting into it. What is that thing, though? Every time you turn on fucking Netflix, I don't know, if you have the Netflix app on your TV, maybe you've seen this. Is there a way to not have the preview come up every time you, like, are scrolling through the available movies? Like, it's so fucking annoying. I just want to read the synopsis, (laughs) synopsis, and go on about my day. If I want to watch it, I will. But, like, the previews automatically play when you hover over the movie in Netflix. If somebody can tell me how to fucking get rid of that, I would really appreciate that because it's driving me insane. But I digress. Uh, What the fuck was I even talking about? Okay, the Dawn Wall. Right. So I sit down, make myself some portage and, uh, and goulash. And I start to watch the Dawn Wall. I get about 15 seconds in. And uh, something happened and I had to turn it off. So the first 15 seconds, really fucking good. Got to tell you. I would highly recommend the first 15 seconds. But in all seriousness, I'll get back to watching that, KP. I got you, man. I've been trying to watch this for the better part of two months now. Haven't got around to it. And basically all I need to do to get around to it is literally turn the TV on. You know, there's just, just not enough hours in the day, man. Just not enough hours in the day. 
get a little wine break here. Oh, cheers. I haven't cheers you guys in a while. I, I feel, you know, the last couple of weeks, I'm ignoring the best part of the podcast, which is the interaction with you guys. So, cheers, my fellow human beings, uh, on the Saturday or Friday, whenever you're listening. Cheers. I got a exceptional wine for cheap, so I'm feeling pretty good. And I got a trip coming up this week. Got a little short week there, baby. Like I said many a time, I'm heading over to Salt Lake City on a propeller plane, leaving out of Bowie Airfield. Just kidding. Just taking a flight out of BWI. It's going to be great. Um, I uh, I paid a little extra, you know. Here's my philosophy here, because I haven't... I haven't really taken my own philosophy or I haven't adopted this philosophy until very recently, probably the last year. But with the pandemic happening and everything, it's really a perfect time if you're going to buy plane tickets, if you're going to travel, if that's your thing. First of all, to travel anywhere right now is insanely cheap. Insanely cheap. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, We could go from Baltimore to Salt Lake City and back for like 300 something dollars. Normally that shit would be I don't know, 5 600 bucks cuz that's not a route that many people take. So it's like an amazing fucking deal already. But what I'm getting to is what you got to do now during especially during the pandemic, if you're planning on taking a vaca- taking a vacation sometime this year, Buy the tickets now because they're, first of all, they're cheap as shit. And second of all, upgrade your seats. Upgrade your seats. I am telling you, it is so worth the money to upgrade your seats. First of all, there's more room. Second of all, and most importantly, they treat you like an actual fucking human being when you upgrade your seats. Even from like economy to premium economy, like the difference in the amount of care, attention, and just not looking at you like you're a fucking cow in a pasture or a chicken in a coop, whatever you want to say. They literally just treat you like a normal human being who has needs. So especially during the pandemic when things are cheap which means the airlines are getting cheaper, which means if you sit in economy class, they aren't even going to give you a fucking water. They're going to make you bring your own goddamn water on the flight. They're not going to pay attention to you. And if you ask them for something, they're going to fucking be assholes about it because technically, you know, you've purchased a ticket where no further customer assistance is required. And it says so in their little disclaimer section at the bottom which I've read because I'm a fucking nerd, but my point being upgrade, just upgrade your seat to the next level. I guarantee you. And as soon as you experience that level of honestly, what I think should be standard customer service, you just won't want to go back to economy. Cause I was an economy guy through and through all of, all the way up to 2020. But I figured why not? Like, let's see what's going on. And 
I upgraded my seat last year in Delta to like the next level, which is basically premium economy. And I was able to get beer and wine. Someone fucking looked at me and asked me if I was all right. They asked if I wanted water. They handed out free snacks. The people back in the regular fucking economy seats, nothing. They didn't even get a goddamn water. So, word of advice, if you're going to be traveling, upgrade your fucking seat. It's well worth it, I promise you. Um, and I'm also taking a, a trip to Vegas later this year. And for the first time in my life, I was able to afford a first-class ticket. And that is only because only because the prices are just ridiculously low right now. So I'm going to have my first taste later in April of the first class life. Um, I think part of the reason, though, why they make everything so cheap is because they even when you're in first class, like I was reading the shit of like what advantages I would be getting by getting first class. Basically, what I came out of it was, A, they treat you like a human being, and B, you can get some booze. So, very bare-bones operation. On a normal fucking flight like that, you would get a meal, you would get dessert, you would get a free mimosa or some shit waiting for you as you sit down in your seat. But, you know, it's just an excuse now, the pandemic is, for airlines to bare-bones everything. So, at least with first class, you can get free drinks and shit, and people will treat you like you're not a fucking piece of shit on the bottom of their shoe so just just take a gander at it i would recommend it especially if you're flying delta the delta comfort plus go with that every time you choose your seat it's usually only 50 to 75 maybe a hundred dollars more per seat well worth it though well worth it um so just look into it next time no pressure no pressure all right, enough with the uh, enough with the high pressure sales pitch for me. But yeah, uh, I just can't express enough how shittily they treat you in economy compared to basic dignity they give you by just being in any other seat. So check that shit out. And I was looking uh, earlier this week, too, kind of following throughout the week, you know, as one does on Reddit about, I mean, what the hell is the the situation with free agent wide receivers and the Ravens right now? What the fuck is going on? At the beginning of the year, well, I should say at the beginning of the offseason, my number one need for the Ravens is a wide receiver in free agency. Like, my number one free agency need for the Ravens is wide receiver. Like, we are trash. First of all, we're trash at developing wide receivers. And second of all, we're trash at getting wide receivers that are still in the prime of their career. We just suck at it. So, I thought this year, this year more than ever, Lamar's last deal on his rookie, or his last year on his rookie contract Get him a number, just a clear-cut number one. Make the cap space room. Get him a fucking DeAndre Hopkins. Get him a Juju Smith-Schuster. Get him a fucking 
I don't know who the fuck else is good. Get him Sammy Watkins. I don't know if he's on that level, but like somebody to like for opponents to fear. And we just can't close the deal. I don't know what it is. A lot of it, I guess, is players wanting to choose with the team that they were on last year. They don't want to fucking move. You know, they don't want to sign a one-year deal with us. And then inevitably their production goes down and they have to go on the market again next year. So from their perspective, I do get it. But it's like, what are we doing from our perspective? What, what are we not offering? You know, is it is word getting around the league that our offensive coordinator sucks at fucking scheming a passing game because the fans have been noticing this for the better part of two years. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. I don't think there's really anyone left at this current juncture that is really going to wow us as far as Ravens fans go. We'll just have to wait for somebody to maybe be a salary cap casualty later on in the process uh, before camp starts. But even then, I mean, we're going to be back to the same old ways because, you know, a team isn't going to release a number one in their prime. So those people have already been gobbled up. What we're looking at at the end of free agency or, or when it starts tapering off is like, you know, cap casualties, a.k.a. old guys who are past their prime talking about like 33 through 36 year olds who want to still prove something but maybe have lost a step or two which is the usual mo of the ravens getting those guys or you're going to take a chance on another young guy developing him into a wide receiver talent and we have no development for wide receivers in the least so i just don't fucking understand what the plan is here i mean Listen to this wide receiver room. This this is fucking scary, dude. Scary bad. Not scary good. Not like putting the fear of God in others' teams. Um, Ravens receivers. Do you want to hear this? This This is the Ravens receiver room as of today. Marquise Hollywood Brown. Okay, fair enough. A number two on any team in the league. That's fine. Miles Boykin. A number four slash five on any team. Deion Kane. I've never even heard of this guy. Jalen Moore. Haven't heard of him. Devin Duvernay and James Prochet. Guys that were drafted last year. I think have all the potential in the world. But because they're on our team. We didn't even use them last year. We used them for like end arounds and punt returns and shit. We didn't even incorporate them into the passing game. And you know what? A couple times we got Duvernay in there and he went for some big yards. So I'm thinking, you know, the national media is making kind of a big deal about this. And I have to kind of agree. I think words out that we suck at developing receivers. And and I think the last... 20 plus years of not being able to do that or catching up to us um but that's it that's your wide receiver room for the ravens two untested sophomore wide outs two guys i've never heard of marquise brown and miles boykin i don't think that's a recipe for uh a dominant offense there and of course it'll all be blamed on lamar but 
whatever. That's uh that's a story for September, October. Oh no, man, it's always the same shit. I wish we could whatever we're doing on defense to just keep chugging and churning out defensive ends, defensive uh linemen, nose tackles and shit, linebackers, cornerbacks, safeties, whatever we're doing to just keep chugging those out. Year after year after year, we find another dominant one, and they get scooped up by another team. Like, why can we not do the same thing on offense? It's just like, it's just frustrating as fuck. So, we'll see what they do this year. I mean, I think the time has honestly passed already for any crazy shit to happen. So, I think we're just going to have to draft now. And because we got a draft now... We also desperately need a defensive end in the draft. We need to draft in the first round. We need a D, a D end or interior D lineman or someone on the line for D. A, a fucking showstopper, a game stopper. And because we need to do that, that's going to take away from our talent pool that's accessible at wide receiver. So I really think the Ravens fucked this one up this year. Uh, I got to say. But you know what? I'm no general manager. I'm no fucking general manager. So we'll have to see what unfolds with that because, you know, it's clearly just blatantly obvious what the needs are and how to approach them. But that's why somebody else makes a million dollars to run the personnel of the Ravens. And I have uh, the podcast. So, But, hey, I don't want to shit on the podcast. I mean... I built this thing up to a worldwide audience, so, you know, doing all right, doing all right. But yeah, so I just thought I'd uh, expound on that a little bit because it's been sort of irking me a little bit so far during this whole process, and it can be so easily fixed, and it's just not being fixed at all. So I'm just at a loss, man. know who else is at a loss because they literally lost everything man too bad you know all last week I was talking about the premiership everything has a chance man give everything a chance they always beat good teams come to find out the whole fucking setup it was the FA Cup so that was uh for all you guys that don't know the FA Cup is is winner go home so Everton lost, and now they are going home. But they did lose to Man City, which uh, you can't really blame them for that. Man City is clear-cut the best team in the league, and we just played them uh, before we kind of found our sea legs a little bit. We're kind of kind of scuffling right now on the table, dropping some easy games, winning some hard ones, you know, losing games that we should be winning at home. You know, the, just a up and down roller coaster that is Everton fandom is ringing true this year as well. But yeah, we just didn't have the we don't we don't have the personnel to compete with Man City. I mean, it would have to be a, a stroke of absolute luck to beat them, which honestly I thought might happen. But uh, alas, I think Man City is going for the quadruple, so they could win four trophies in the same year this year aka the quadruple they could win the fa cup they could win the league cup they can win the champions league and they can win the english premier league 
I don't think anyone has ever won all four in the same year, and they are gearing towards being able to do that, which would be absolutely insane. Unfair. A slap in the fucking face. A smack on the ass. Whatever you want to call it, it would be fucking stupid, and I don't want to see it happen. But the more I watch them, the more I really don't see them losing many fucking games. I mean, what a what an amazing commentary that was. I don't see them losing many games when they've won 24 out of the last 26 games. Really groundbreaking stuff here on the podcast. But, I mean, my, my point still stands. They're the, they're the best clear-cut best team in the league. Best team in England, Ireland... Scotland and Wales. Um, I mean, nobody can fuck with them. And maybe even Europe. I don't know. Maybe I haven't really followed Inter Milan. Maybe they could sneak in there. Real Madrid's always good as far as Europe goes. But, like, it's just they're just too fucking good. And it's annoying. They are the Yankees of the Premiership. If you if you support Man City, you might as well support the Yankees. You might as well support the Patriots in the NFL. Like you might as well just start worshiping the devil and other various things that are bad. Because uh that's what it is, man. It's buying a trophy. Buying a fucking trophy, dude. It's it's just fucking sucks, man. And this is why we have salary caps. But I, you know, they've gone on so long without having one. Puts some, you know, the big mammoth clubs at a huge disadvantage. So why the fuck would they want salary caps? Fuck out of here. So just like baseball, it's already way too far gone for them to do anything about a salary cap. So. Um, I guess the only remedy for teams like that that are just always going to win is just people not watching anymore because they don't give a shit. So, you know, use the the TV dial as your voice. If you don't want to see it, don't fucking watch it because that's the only way that we can affect any kind of change is just by turning that shit off. Like, okay, Team X has this in the bag this year. What's the fucking point of even watching? We knew they were going to win anyway, so who gives a shit? And, you know, that's, that kind of sums up and encapsulates how I feel about college football, too. So, it's mm. a good one. Anyway, uh, the hell else? I did see one other thing that I thought was of note, to be honest with you. The O's development facility in the Dominican Republic. No, I'm just kidding. I actually saw another documentary um, about this dude. It's called Tell Me Who I Am. So this dude, he gets in a motorcycle accident, has a twin brother, right? And he loses all of his long-term memory in the accident. So he can... He can put new memories in the bank, but anything that happened before the accident, he has he has fucking has no clue. No idea. So like 
His mom comes to the hospital, doesn't know who she is. So he has to rely on his brother for fucking everything. And uh, it's a great fucking story. A lot of twists and turns. Basically, his brother kind of re-raises him back in the family. I mean, he's 18 when he has this accident. So from the age of 18 to maybe 30, he gets pretty much re-raised in what the family's all about. Learns about his childhood and shit. And then the big secrets start to come out. And what they are, I'll leave that up to you to find out. But I gotta say, a solid 9.4 out of 10. And I watch a lot of documentaries. This one's up there with the best, for sure. It's called Tell Me Who I Am. It's on Netflix. It's about an hour and a half. Be prepared to get a box of Kleenex beforehand, maybe. If you cry during movies, you know, you're definitely going to get a a tear jerked out of this one. Hopefully you can get jerked after. Um, But yeah, it's a a really good fucking movie. Dock A. It's a good Dock A. So watch that. Other than that, man. And ladies, I don't know what to say. This is my final solo podcast until, uh, what is that, April, uh, April 9th, so, I've had a ball doing all the, all the fucking collaborations with all my boys, um, keep them coming as far as I'm concerned, I'm gonna try to get as many as possible on the books, and, you know, have a few solos in between there, I appreciate all you guys listening, as always, the lifeblood of the podcast. Without you guys, honestly, I would just literally be talking to myself in a room. And uh, I might have to be committed to some kind of institution. So I appreciate your listenership, your support. If you want um, any kind of Matty J podcast memorabilia, I have stuff here. I have resources. I have contacts um, at some of the most premier distribution hubs in the country. So just let me know, and I will hook you up with some Maddie J podcasts. Fucking shit. If you have no way of contacting me, I'm sorry, but maybe you can make your own shirt over there in Australia or Estonia. Maybe you and your boyfriend in Estonia can uh, create a shirt over a bowl of borscht. Or something like that. I don't know. Either way, uh, like I said, thank you so much. And I will talk to you guys next week from Salt Lake City, Utah, USA. Remember to upgrade your seats on any flights. Love you guys. See you next week.
y chan chan en el mar se rían arena como sacudía el jibe a chan chan le daba pena 